0: Trust you found your place in the book of Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter 2. Now we're reading this morning from verse 1 to verse number 4. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse number 1. The Bible says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, It will not tarry. Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness towards us. Thank you for your love, your tender mercies, and your kindness. Dear Lord, we are humbled by the fact that you would choose to love us in spite of ourselves, in spite of our failures, our limitations, and our faults. And we come before you today truly a needy people, but knowing that you're a God who's able to answer each and every prayer and to minister to each and every need. And so we come before you today seeking your guidance, your direction as we look into your word, so that you would open our hearts, our minds, and our understanding and that we'll receive your word with gladness. Take full control. Give me the words you'll have me to say. Empty me of self, cleanse me of sin, and fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. Dear Lord, we need you and we can do nothing without you. And I ask dear Lord for your presence to fill this place. Move on every heart. May your will be accomplished. May lost souls be saved. May believers be challenged to be closer drawn to you. And when it's all said and done, may we be careful to give you all the honor and glory and praise that's due your holy name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. I grew up in a household where my dad loved boxing. And my grandmother loved wrestling. And you might be wondering how come these Christian People love sports with so much fighting and violence or perceived fighting and violence, if you know what I mean? Well, that's a question for another message. But what I want to say this morning is from watching these two sports with the enthusiasts that I just mentioned, I learned of... Uh, the course of time, that there are various ways in which these fights are declared over. In wrestling, one can do so by holding the opponent's shoulder and back down while the referee counts, slapping the ground. One, two, three. And in boxing, The referee counts to ten if that opponent has been knocked down and determines if the boxer has sufficient ability to continue the match. In these instances that I've just described, the competitor is being overmatched and is unable to continue because of the other person's superiority or the dominance of the opponent. However, there are some instances in these sports where the fight is declared over because the opponent or those in his corner have assessed the situation and have made a decision to voluntarily give up. In boxing in particular, when a boxer is suffering a beating and his corner, wants to stop the fight, they literally throw in the towel to indicate that they are conceding the fight. This is the origin of the phrase, throwing in the towel. It literally means to give up, to avoid further punishment when facing defeat. In the book of Habakkuk, the prophet by the same name was lamenting the, the dire situation that Israel had found itself in. If you look at me at chapter 1, I want you to see the cry of Habakkuk to understand his burden, to understand his heart, which was breaking. Verse number 1 of chapter 1 says, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O oh Lord! How long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear, even cry out to thee out of violence, for thou wilt not save? Why dost thou shew me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance, for spoiling and violence are before me, and there are, there are that raise up strife and contention? Therefore, the law is slacked and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore, wrong judgment proceeded. So Habakkuk is here lamenting the woes of God's people, which is a result of God's judgment upon them. But the situation described by Habakkuk in chapter 1 was about to get worse. Because God was going to foretell of the Babylonian captivity where the Chaldeans would come and make life very difficult for God's people. They were going to be raised up. God was going to use heathen king Nebuchadnezzar to bring judgment for his people for their rebellion. You look at verse number six. that gives testimony of this says, for lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. What was already a bad situation was about to get worse. What a dire outlook. What a compellingly desperate situation. And you read chapter 1, you notice there's not much good news in this chapter for God's people. But what is so very interesting and instructive is the response of Habakkuk to this prophecy. You look at verse 11 down to verse number 17. Habakkuk rests in the goodness of God in his mercy, and in his justice. And he's essentially saying, God, I know you. I know your character. I know that you are good God. And I know that in spite of what you have just outlined, you are not going to let this heathen king destroy and annihilate your people. You're not going to let them make mockery of us. I simply know you are not that kind of God. Look at what he says in verse number 12. Art not thou from everlasting? O Lord my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment. In other words, you have raised them up to bring judgment on your people. And Almighty God, thou hast established them for correction. But thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and thou canst not look on iniquity. In other words, Habakkuk says in spite of what is going to befall us, God, you are a merciful God and I know that you are a good God to your people. And he establishes his mindset and the foundation, the platform if you will, for what we see in our text in chapter number 2 which I am so very fired up and excited to share with you today. You see, my friends, we are dealing with a lot of gloomy-looking forecasts right now in our world. From a human perspective, many things look bleak. The pandemic, that we are still in. We're hoping that we're at an endemic stage, but who really knows? No one really is sure of what's going to happen. Predictions have been made and everyone is taking turns at being wrong. So much so that people are losing hope and becoming disillusioned with the predictions. I mean, the prices of everything, I mean, are skyrocketing. Food electricity, water, gas. And while everything is going up, jobs are becoming scarce. Incomes are either reducing or being stagnant. Economies are struggling to adapt to the new normal. People's health physically are failing. People are dying at every age and every stage. I mean, suicides are on the rise. And I can go on and on and on. So fight is to say that people are losing hope. But this morning, I want to encourage us to have the mindset of Habakkuk. Because with his mindset, God revealed a message of hope that gave him confidence that amidst all that is happening, I can go on and I must go on. And I want to preach a message this morning entitled, Hold On To Your Towel. Listen, a lot of people are taking their towel and they're throwing it into the ring and they are giving up. And my message this morning to you is wherever your towel is, my friend, hold on to it because we are not about to give up. This is not the time to give up this is not the time to throw it in listen I know how things look I know what's going on listen we can see that things are tough and times are hard but we this morning by the grace of God we are going to hold on to our towels you see my friend You still have life. And while there is life, there is hope. Listen, God has left us here for a reason and simply put, he is not done with you yet. You are still here. So since you're still here, since you're still breathing, since he's not done with you yet, hold on to your towel. I want you to notice some things here in chapter 2. Habakkuk was determined to hold on to his towel. Listen, things were bleak. It was about to get worse. But notice with me, first of all, his positive attitude. Now look at verse number 1. I'm not making this up. I hope you have a Bible to look on. Because, listen, this is just simply line upon line. Precept upon precept. His positive attitude. Notice with me. His, he was entrenched in his purpose. Amen. After all that has been said in chapter 1. Look at verse number 1. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower. He had a positive attitude. In spite of what he had just heard, he was entrenched in his purpose. This prophet was determined that even though things are tough, even though times are hard, I have made up my mind that I will stand upon my watch. I will hold fast and firm to my responsibilities. Listen, this, this watch indicated a place where my role is significant. It is valuable. It is needed. It is important. This watch was a place, of course, of looking out for the safety of the residents. And the citizens, it's a place where he recognized others are depending on me. As a result, no is not the time To abandon my post. If I'm a Sunday school teacher, I will stand upon my watch. If I'm a choir member, I'm going to stand upon my watch. If I'm a bus driver, I'm going to stand upon my watch. If I'm a facility care worker, I'm going to stand on my watch. If I'm a ministry leader, I'm going to stand upon my watch. If I'm part of the technical team, I'm going to stand upon my watch. If I pray for the brethren, I'm going to stand upon my watch. If I'm an encourager of the saints, I'm going to. Stand upon my watch because whatever I do, I am rooted and grounded in fulfilling my purpose. But listen, notice in order to stand upon this watch, you got to make up your mind. That's why Habakkuk said. I will stand upon my watch. He was determined to hold fast, to stay in his place. In other words, he was driven by purpose. My friend, if we're going to be entrenched in our purpose... If we're going to have a positive attitude, we cannot afford for difficult circumstances to cause us to waver. We're going to have to get some I wills. He was entrenched in his purpose. But notice, he was also elevated in his position. He elevated his position. He says, I will stand upon my watch but I will set me upon the tower. Listen, this is the task of the watchman who needed elevation to have a proper vantage point of what was happening around him. We don't have watchmen nowadays like they did. But maybe a Another situation that we probably can more identify with is that of an air traffic controller. You think of that air traffic controller who goes up into that tower at the airport so that he or she can see what's happening below to guide, to direct, to make decisions based on their elevated position. Habakkuk says, I'm not only going to fulfill my responsibility, but I'm going to get as high as possible so that I can be in the best position to do my job well. He elevated his position. My friend, if you and I are going to maintain a positive attitude, we're going to have to elevate our position spiritually. We're going to have to get closer to God. We're going to have to grow up spiritually so that we can have the right and better perspective to see what's happening from a higher level. If you want to examine attitudes, the lack of a positive attitude is oftentimes a matter of perspective. And when you come up higher, you have a different, clearer, and better perspective of the same situation. Nothing's changed. But because you are up higher, you can make more sense and you can come to a better conclusion to have the right perspective and a positive attitude. Why is that happening? Because you're now seeing things from God's perspective. That can only happen by getting closer to God. From seeing situations through the word of God, through spiritual eyes. So Habakkuk had a positive attitude. Because, not because the situation changed on the ground. But because he got up higher. He elevated his position. He says, I got to get up and set me upon the tower. He was entrenched in his purpose. He elevated his position and noticed he had an essential perspective i mean it's just amazing the word of god when you read this carefully he says when i set me upon the tower and i will watch to see what he will say unto me and what i shall answer when i am reproved no he didn't just get up in the tower so that he can see what's happening but he was cognizant of the fact that god is speaking And God is about to say something and as such, I need to listen. God is saying something and I need to have the right response. God is teaching and I need to learn. There was a realization that are some things that he needed to learn. There was also a realization that are some things that he was doing wrong. Look at what he says. And what I shall answer when I am reproved. There was an admission that, hey, I don't have it all together. God is about to correct me regarding some things. And I have to make sure that I'm going to have the right attitude and the right response when God reproves me. You know why oftentimes we lose uh, our positive attitude and our positive spirit? And the right attitude because we no longer possess a teachable spirit. But God is saying, don't throw in the towel. Class is still in session. If you leave now, you won't learn. If you leave now, you won't graduate to the next level. Several years ago, I remember speaking to a young man who had joined the Marines. And I always had heard stories of how boot camp was so gruesome, and hard, and difficult in Paris Island. And all those things that would take place in training those young men to be soldiers. And I had known before he joined the Marines that he was going to. And I saw him after he had gone through boot camp successfully. And I remember so clearly asking him, did you want to quit? Did you want to give up? Didn't you want to throw in the towel with how difficult boot camp was? And you know what he said to me? No, I did not want to quit. I wanted to graduate. I wanted to get to the next level. I wanted to pass that stage so I can graduate as a marine. Listen, my friend, we're going to have to have a positive attitude and a kind of resolve that in difficult times, listen, I know it's hard, I know it's tough, but I'm not throwing in the towel. God is teaching me something. I don't want to quit. I want to graduate. That's why Habakkuk says this is not quitting time. This is time for me to be entrenched in my position. This is time for me to elevate to another level. This is time for me to say, God, what is it, what is it you're trying to teach me? What is it you're trying to show me? I need to listen up and I need to have the right response to what you're teaching. Habakkuk Had a positive attitude. But notice, secondly, God gave him a purposeful assignment. Look at verse number two. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. Write the vision. What was God saying to him by way of this assignment? Habakkuk, I want you to document something. I'm sure you would agree with me that things that are of importance ought to be written down. They ought to be documented. I had a teacher, and I'm sure maybe you had one as well, who would say this, the shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. And God was saying to Habakkuk, what is happening is for a reason. It's part of a bigger vision. Right now, everybody's getting distracted with the current events, but I have a plan and a purpose that's bigger than the present struggles and the pending captivity. So Habakkuk, write down the vision as I reveal it to you. You know what I'm realizing about us? And I'm speaking of myself we tend to forget what we don't write down. Write down what God has done for you. Write down the prayers that he's answered. Write down the goals that he's placed on your heart. Write down the dreams you hope to accomplish. Listen, this is a purposeful assignment that God was giving to Habakkuk for a reason. He says, write it down, Habakkuk. Document it. But notice he said not only to document, but he said, make this thing distinct. He says, make it plain upon tables. Make it clear. Make it specific. I don't want it to be confusing. I don't want it to be puzzling. I want what you're about to write down to be clear as day. Make it distinct. But he also says to him, Habakkuk, because this is a purposeful assignment, I want it to be written down distinctly because I want others to, as well as you, to digest it. Look at what he says here. He says, write the vision, make it plain upon tables, that he may run, but look at the last part. That what? Read it. 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 He says, I want you and others to digest it, to read it, to process it, to understand it, to know what is required. Why is all of that important? so that there can be direction. Notice what he says in the phrase just prior to what I just read. He says that he may do what? Run. In other words, I want you to write this thing down, Habakkuk, so that you can be directed about exactly what you're supposed to be doing and that others can be guided accordingly. Now, for those of you who supervise others, Or even if you are supervised, I'm sure that you would agree with me that when you write down the expectations of the employees, when you write down the objectives, you are more likely to get the desired results because you are now able to hold each other accountable for what needs to be done. And what God was saying to Habakkuk, Habakkuk, listen, this is part of a bigger picture, a bigger plan than what you see currently at the moment. So don't throw in the towel, write down the vision because the vision gives you something to strive for. Our problem is that we stop running and we throw in the towel because we stop looking at where we are going and we start looking at what's happening. He says, here's why a vision is so important. A vision keeps your focus on going even when things are tough and not get distracted by what's happening all around. That's just what happened to Peter. That was his problem when he kept his eyes on the goal, when he kept his eyes on the vision, he was walking on water. When he got distracted by the waves, he began to sink. And at Shiloh Baptist Church, it's my prayer that we will be people who are motivated by vision. And here's our vision statement at Shiloh Baptist Church. To represent the Lord as a mature body of believers in unity and love. Listen, that vision will keep you running until Jesus comes. Because we can never get to a point where we have arrived to represent the Lord As a mature body of believers in unity and love. So my friend, my brother, my sister, let's keep running and hold on to your towel. Habakkuk had a purposeful assignment. This purpose was linked to a vision which had not yet been accomplished. And as a result, he had to endeavor to keep on going. There was a purposeful assignment. But notice with me in verse number three, the powerful assurance. The powerful assurance. It says in verse number three, for the vision is yet for an appointed Now, this ought to keep us motivated with our heads held high. Why? Because God was saying to him, "Uh, Habakkuk, listen, what you are going through and what you will go through, make no mistake about it, it is by divine appointment. What's happening is not by accident it's not by happenstance God is in complete control and he has always had a plan and purpose nothing catches him by surprise divine appointment things catch us by surprise But the question is, did it catch God by surprise? He says this vision is for an appointed time. But notice what's so assuring about this promise from God is that, my friend, it will be deemed accurate. Look at what he says here. But at the end, it shall speak and not lie. Romans chapter 3 and verse 4 says, God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. Listen, God's way will always be proven to be true, to be right, to be just. And so when we are filled with doubt we have to rest on the goodness of God on the righteousness of God on the holiness of God and that God will be proven to be right 100% of the time. I didn't tell you that we will be right 100% of the time. We are proven to be wrong over and over and over and over and over. So let's not get bun bent out of shape when all of the scientists and all of the prognosticators and all of the, the, the economists, the, econ- the, the all of the listen, whoever they are, listen, when they forecast what they are forecasting and they're wrong, don't be shocked, don't jump off of a roof, don't do anything crazy. They are not God. But when God speaks, God is right all the time. he will be deemed accurate. This is a powerful assurance. And because he's going to be deemed accurate, listen, God admonishes Habakkuk to have a determined attitude. Look at this. Though it tarry, Wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Listen, he's saying to him, we are not to throw in the towel because God's timing is always perfect. He may not be there when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. You know what I'm realizing about life? And this thing of serving God and having your plans and your agendas that God knows how to slow us down in order for us to get back in his timing. Listen, sometimes we're just running too fast. And God says, I got to slow you down. Listen, I love sports and I love track and field and we are very familiar with relay races and relay races are those kinds of events that don't just require on speed. But they require on precision. They require uh timing, not running outside of your lane or past your area. And if you do, you will be disqualified. Say, listen, some of us are want to run and God says, But where are you going? You haven't even gotten the bat yet. Slow down. Oh, yeah. If you run with all that speed and get to the finish line and you ain't got no button, you're disqualified. If you run and you run outside your zone and you get the bat at the wrong time, you lose the race. Slow down. I have to slow you down. So sometimes we want to run outside of our zone, run in somebody else's lane. God says, I got to put some obstacles to get you back in your lane. He says, though he tarry, wait for it. Listen, it will surely come. Why? God wants you to run to the finishing line with the baton in your hand, a winner, a champion. So he says, have a determined attitude. Stop running in other people's lane. Stop running outside your zone. Stop running race with people. They got their own race. They got their own lane. You got your own lane and your badness coming in God's timing. A powerful assurance. But notice finally in verse number four with all that had been said Note with me that in order to get to the end successfully, there must be a particular approach. Look at verse number four. And notice with me that we must reject confidence in self. It says, Behold, His soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him. In other words, God is saying to us, you cannot rely on your personal ability. You can't rely on the size of your bank account. You can't rely on your investments, in your assets, in your contacts, in who you know. You can't rely and depend on the outlook of the economy. You can't rely on the stock market. Listen, you can't rely on your own personal efforts, your intellect, or even your expertise. Listen, this is why so many people are throwing in the towel. Because the things and the people that they're hoping in are failing. And they are losing hope. And so the particular approach when it comes to experiencing God's blessings and best for our lives means we must reject confidence in self. But look at what he says in the latter part of verse number four. Listen, it requires confidence in the sovereign. It says, but on the other hand, as opposed to confidence in self, the just shall live by his faith. You will be sustained by your personal faith in God. I love the fact that he says that just shall live by his faith. Not your mother's faith. Not your father's faith. Not the pastor's faith. Not the Sunday school teacher's faith. Listen, those are not going to be enough. You're going to have to believe God for yourself. when you do that no matter how bad things look you will be assured that god has a plan and a purpose he has some things for you to do and you will endeavor by god's grace to stand firm in getting them done uh but you will believe that god will do it we're not going to live this Christian life based on our outlook of circumstances without faith it is impossible to please God he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him that's a particular approach You can't circumvent belief in God. You can't circumvent trust in God. You can't circumvent faith to make it. The just shall live by his faith. And simply based on the fact that you have made up in your mind that I will stand in my place. God has a purpose for what's happening. God has a plan to bring me through Because I believe that from the depths of my heart. I will endeavor. I am not throwing in this towel. I will hold on to it. Because God is faithful. I encourage you today. Whatever it is you are going through. I can't claim to fully comprehend your personal circumstance. I am not making light of how difficult it has been, how difficult it is, or how much more difficult it might get. But I am saying, on the authority of God's word, God has a plan. God has a purpose for you personally And specifically, are you willing to stand on your watch? Are you willing to orient your ears to say, God, you are speaking through this situation. There's some things you are trying to tell me. There's some things you are trying to teach me. So let me get my ears ready. Let me have my heart prepared. Let me prepare to have the appropriate response when I'm reproved. And as you direct me, and as you guide me with a purposeful assignment, I'm going to endeavor to rely on a powerful assurance that you will be deemed right 100% of the time. And that will give me a determined attitude that come what may, As they say, come hell or high waters, I am holding on firmly and solidly to my towel.